This is the voice that set off a firestorm in Egypt. A social media phenomenon. The source of endless speculation. But just a few months ago, Muhammad Ali was hardly known at all. Now he's known as the man who tried to bring down a president. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Today, we're looking at the rise and the fall of Muhammad Ali. The saga is arguably the most serious challenge to President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi since he took power in 2013. But Muhammad Ali wasn't a politician or a protest leader. He was an insider who made millions working with the Egyptian army. And he says he had a front row seat to corruption and hypocrisy. Those stories sparked protests that had become rare under Sisi. And those protests led to the biggest wave of arrests in years. That was all last year. So what does Muhammad Ali's story tell us about Egypt today? We talked to one of our colleagues at Al Jazeera's Arabic channel who interviewed Muhammad Ali himself. My name is Zain Taufik, short for Zain Al-Abidin Taufik. I'm a TV presenter, principal presenter at Al Jazeera Arabic TV channel. Zain has been covering Egypt for years. He was there when Sisi came to power in a military coup. He was covering it on live TV. I was in air, actually, and I was arrested on the 3rd of July, 2013, while I was on air with two guests. And they started to unplug all the computers and uh, the screens, and they were so surprised <laughs> that broadcasting is still going on. So they, were, they got mad and said, why doesn't it stop? We, we unplugged everything, and we said, because it's coming from Doha, guys, it's not from here. In November, Zayn was in London to speak to Muhammad Ali after his videos telling stories of corruption had gone viral in Egypt and around the Arab world. You know, normally the politicians, the or, you know opponents of Sisi will talk about how corrupt Egypt is, so the corruption is everywhere, without specifics. Muhammad Ali gave the specifics. An Egyptian exile living in Spain, Muhammad Ali is a former military contractor. He's been posting videos online, tales of rampant corruption, some of which implicate President Sisi himself. The president has dismissed the corruption claims as lies. Analysts say the absence of additional evidence doesn't matter to many Egyptians. Like any good online influencer, Muhammad Ali uploaded the videos nearly every day. Many of them have a million views or more. They might be a few minutes long or an hour. The style is confessional, just him and a cell phone camera. The videos pretty much all start the same way. Muhammad Ali chain-smoking cigarettes, blowing a cloud of smoke into the camera. So, so when you see uh, one of the videos of Muhammad Ali, you see an, uh, an ordinary Egyptian with curly hair, you know, features that you can see in any, any street in Egypt. You can see the guy who presents you the tea and coffee in, in Egyptian traditional cafes. You can see that person sitting and talking to you through a, a mobile a phone camera. And he's talking about the future of his country. 
he talked about, you know, the, the sacred figure in the regime, President Sisi. And not only Sisi, but also his wife, Intisar al-Sisi. And how wasteful they are and insensitive to the uh, ordinary Egyptians' money. It's interesting you mentioned that he's like the everyman. I, I lived in Egypt for a little while, and you're so right. That's what strikes me about watching his videos is that he just seems like he could be any person you see uh, in a cafe, you know, on the Nile, just walking along. He's also very conversational in his videos, so it feels like he is talking directly to me as the viewer and to the people of Egypt. Do you think that is part of the appeal? I think that mainly this is um, the, the main part of the appeal. You know, he, he, he can put you at ease from the first sight. Mm-hmm. And that's typical Egyptian. He sounds very credible as well because he, he didn't need to do it. I mean, in the eyes of the ordinary Egyptians because he was rich and he could carry on benefiting from the army because he used to do big projects for, for the army and gets a lot of money. Now, working with the military is lucrative in any country. But in Egypt, it's the biggest game in town. You can't do business without the army in Egypt. The economy is the Egyptian army at the moment. It, it wasn't the case before. The army had a share of the economy, but that share got bigger and bigger and bigger under the president Sisi. If you want to do business, you have to do it with the army. Uh, and the army activities not only is making weapons and things like that, no. The army now is in milk. They produce milk, they produce uh, dairy food, they produce pasta, they produce medical equipment, they have schools. Besides the other stuff they they normally do, like, you know, construction projects. So they are in every uh, aspect of life. Muhammad Ali made his millions working in those construction projects that Zayn mentioned through his company, Amlak. We can't call him a developer. He's a, a contractor that gets jobs from the military and from the big companies. Uh, and that's why they were squeezed between the banks because the military asked them to do projects. So they spent all their money. And when they ran out of money, they still have to deliver to the military. Nobody can say no to the, the, the military in Egypt. So he's, he says that the army owes me nearly uh, $13 million. Muhammad Ali claims that that money is what forced him to go public in the first place. One of the first damaging stories he shared was about building not a five-star hotel, but a seven-star hotel. This was at a time when most of Egypt's hotels were hardly filled to capacity. So so in this video, Muhammad Ali is talking about a, a hotel that is not needed in a place that doesn't need any hotel. Uh, and it was built in the middle of nowhere only because one of Assisi's, the president of Egypt's friends, uh, lived there. The boss of the hotel was General Sharif Salah. This General Sharif Salah, they told me, was the close friend of Mr. Abdel Fattah Assisi. And he has a villa there, and he doesn't like to be, you know, lonely. So Assisi ordered the military to build a seven-star hotel in this area. And what is the view from there? 
The General Sharif's personal villa is located across from the empty land where they want to build the hotel. The hotel's view in front is the highways and the back is some villas. Your view is on the highway so you can watch accidents and catastrophes on the street or you can look at the villas in the back. Does it make sense? And from this hotel, as Muhammad Ali is saying, it's uh, uh, the motorway. So what you see from this hotel, the horrors of the motorway accidents in Egypt and the villa of this gentleman who is a friend to us. That, that was the beauty of Muhammad Ali that he, nobody can deny what he's saying because he's talking about buildings that are still there. You can't, you can't just remove it from the face of the earth. And the Egyptians after that digged even more and uh, used Google Earth mm-hmm. uh, and they saw uh, by themselves the extravagance uh, to see his palace that looks like nowhere in the world. Here you have a man who's saying, you don't need to see the documents. I am the documents. Ordinarily, that may not be enough for people, but it's like he's leaving them breadcrumbs. I saw myself, the, the presidential palace. It's, it's something like from Aladdin. It's amazing. The pictures you can see from uh, Google Earth, you know, people started to leak as well. Photos of it, pictures of it. So we, we, we saw more of that. So Muhammad Ali, as you mentioned, doesn't just talk about people. He names names. One of those people is the president's wife, Abdul Fattah al-Sisi's wife, Intisar. Have you summarized what he is saying? You know, the, the image of Intisar in, in the Egypt is that she's, you know, a wife of, of the president and she doesn't play any role in, in, in public life. So this is the first time we knew anything about what Intisar actually is busy doing uh, behind our backs. And, and what she's actually uh, busy doing, according to Muhammad Ali, is wasting a lot of money, millions of pounds, uh, of dollars, actually. He talked about, in this video, about the changes that Intisar uh, asked him to do in some of the palaces, and that costs the Egyptian taxpayer $14 million just for changes. And these were changes because... Go ahead. And why? Because she doesn't like to sleep in the bed that the uh, former president, Hosni Mubarak's wife, Suzanne Mubarak, used to sleep in it. Madame Intisar will not accept to sleep on the bed that belonged to Suzanne Mubarak. Why? Because it's yucky. So she wants a new house. So we destroyed the house and built a new vacation home. How much did that home cost? 250 million Egyptian pounds. That's apart from furniture. So these small details, you know, made everyone angry and upset in Egypt. And that's why we saw a protest for the first time in Egypt for a long time. Thousands of protesters have rallied across Egypt demanding the resignation of the country's president. The rally- Compared to the days of Tahrir Square, the numbers seem insignificant. A few hundred protesters scattered across Egypt. And as the 2,000 arrests since then would suggest, the CC government sees this as a threat. What role do you think the economy is playing in and the reason people went to the streets. Does that have an effect? Because in some of his videos, Muhammad Ali says, the president, Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, is saying to his citizens, we're so poor. Didn't anybody tell you that you are poor? 
You know, we are poor, you are poor, were his words to the Egyptians many times, not only one time. And where, where can I get the money from? He, he, he speaks like that to the Egyptians normally. That, that co- coincided with an austerity that never happened in the history of Egypt, even with, with the wars with Israel and so on and so forth. But now, after the devaluation of the pound, the Egyptian pound, the International Monetary Fund is calling on the country to urgently devalue its currency. It's one of the requirements in order for Cairo to receive a $12 billion loan. For many people, it's a bitter pill to swallow. Egypt's poverty rate is rising pretty dramatically. Since 2011, 50% of the Egyptian population lives on less than $2 a day. There are fears that the currency devaluation will cause the price of food and services to soar. So you can imagine the effect of that on the people's life because the salaries and the the income doesn't increase that much. In the middle of that, they know that Intasar is making changes to the layout of the palaces that cost uh, $14 million. So you can imagine the amount of anger the people felt Mm -hmm. that, you know, they are being taken for a ride. So what is the government saying? What kind of reaction have these videos gotten from the government, from CC and from other members of the government? At the beginning, a complete silence, as if nothing happened, as if he never existed. The, the first message came from the president. Muhammad Ali challenged the president to deny anything he said, and the president had a conference, and he said, yes, I built palaces, I'm going to build palaces. And he said, it's not for me, it's for Egypt. Muhammad Ali didn't only cross the red line of calling out the president. He crossed another red line in spreading his message. He talked to Al Jazeera. Egypt considers Al Jazeera an enemy of the state for its coverage of the Muslim Brotherhood, a longtime political force in Egypt, which the government designated a terrorist organization. There's a lot of history there, but that's the short version. محمد علي ارحب بك في استوديوهات الجزيره في برنامج لقاء اليوم اهلا بك اهلا بك وتشرفتنا So I would love to hear more about your interview with him because you sat down with Muhammad Ali himself this is in London and the very first question that you asked him was why he chose to come on to Al Jazeera Arabic which of course in Egypt has a view amongst the military and amongst some of the public um, as not being very trustworthy how did that interview go I started by that question because because the regime made it very, you know, very costly to appear in Al Jazeera. Uh, so if you appear in Al Jazeera, you are the enemy of the state, you are the enemy of the regime. But Al Jazeera, because of the viewership, any message that gets through Al Jazeera will go further and further and further. So, and, that, and that's the reason uh, they, they treat Al Jazeera differently. There is a polarization in the, in the region, and the regime in Egypt is making Al Jazeera a red line. But Muhammad Ali crossed that red line, and that was surprising for me. So what was his answer? He said that this is exactly what the regime wants, to have red lines to prevent us from appearing on popular channels so that our views 
don't get shared a lot and don't reach the vast majority of people. And I'm against this blockade against any child. Zayn also spoke to Muhammad Ali about his endgame. At this point, his revelations had inspired some small protests and a major crackdown. But the hard part was actually getting Sisi out of power. Yeah, that, I think that's the weakest point because he's not a planner. He's a whistleblower. Zayn asked him about his plans for that. Can you tell me how, how are you going to remove Sisi from power? Muhammad Ali's answer to that was protests. He was calling for more on January 25th. And in the end, they failed. On January 25th, no one showed up, except for the police. And Muhammad Ali released one more video. He started the same way, greeting his friends and family. The response to his call for protests, he said, had been clear. Egyptians were either happy with the regime, as he called it, or they were afraid to protest against it. Muhammad Ali said that he would not release any more series about President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi and that he would never speak about politics again. And then Muhammad Ali closed his social accounts. And that was more or less what Zayn predicted would happen. He'd been skeptical from the beginning that these protests would succeed. I don't believe that the Egyptians, the Egyptians are, you know, yeah, they are suffering, but they are smart. And they know they don't want to die for nothing. So the story of Muhammad Ali might be a footnote in Egypt's history. The question is whether it will be a footnote that's forgotten. Zayn was quick to remind us that he didn't expect a revolution in Egypt to happen in the first place, back in 2011. But if another uprising does ever take place there, it may be the story of Muhammad Ali that people point to as a sign of what was to come. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Alexandra Locke with Dina Kispe, Ney Alvarez, Amy Walters, Priyanka Tilve, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan was the sound designer. Natalia Aldana is the engagement producer. Stacey Samuel is the executive producer. And Graylin Brashear is Al Jazeera's head of audio. Special thanks to Ahmed Madi, Tariq Nafia, and Ahmed Diab. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe and leave us a review. You can find us on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back.